Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Jonah in chapter number one. We started a brand new series last week that we serve a God of second chances, and we will talk more about that in just a minute. But let me ask you this question. Do you have anybody in your life that you would say it takes, it takes quite a bit to get their attention sometimes? Anybody in your life where, uh, especially if you've ever been around teenagers or if you yourself have ever been a teenager, Anybody in here you've ever been a teenager? Some of you, I remember, it was a few years ago, uh, maybe maybe five or ten. Uh, but you know what? When you think about it, every one of us with kids and teenagers, sometimes it takes a lot to get attention, doesn't it? Uh, it takes a lot to get kids' attention sometimes. I know for me, uh, there'll be times at our house, we have two levels at the house. There'll be times when uh, I'll go over to the stair, stairwell down to the basement. And in my mind, I should be able to, at a moderately uh, loud voice, I should be able to call my kids. Dennis, Lena, Micah, I should be able to do that. And it's gonna echo through the stairs. It's gonna go down to the basement. The basement's not ginormous. They should hear me. There's been plenty of times, though, and you know where I'm going with this. Plenty of times I'll go to the top of the stairs and I'll say, Dennis, Lena, Micah, and I hear nothing. And I go, oh, so I poke my head down a little bit further and I say their names again, nothing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to install like a bell system where I can push a buzzer up here and it rings downstairs because I don't wanna go downstairs right now. I don't wanna do that. But I holler again, they don't answer. I walk down the stairs, I go all the way uh, through the basement, all the way to the back room where Dennis's room is. And sure enough, I come and the door's closed and the three of them are just sitting in there. Maybe one's playing with Legos. The other one's listening to music. The other one's just kind of looking at a book and they're all just kind of hanging out. It's quiet in there. And I'm thinking, how can you not hear me? And they don't even realize I'm there then. One's playing with Legos, one's reading a book, one's listening to music. I have to go over and finally I tap one on the shoulder who's listening to headphones or listening to music and he pulls the headphones off and goes, oh, hey dad, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. I've been calling for you for 10 minutes, man. What are you doing? And oh, we didn't hear you. And I'm like, how did you not hear me? I say to Micah playing with Legos and he's like, oh, did you say something? What do you mean did I say something? I've been calling you for 10 minutes. Man, you know what? For a parent, sometimes... You're trying to get a hold of someone's attention, trying to get a hold of a teenager's attention, your kid's attention. Uh, Man, it can be frustrating. Some of you tap your spouse when you think about trying to get attention. And there's been times when maybe someone comes home from work and doesn't get the attention. They're trying to call, hey, hey, I'm home, I'm home, only to find no one is paying attention. And we all have times in our life when somebody, uh, we're trying to get the attention of someone, but we also have times in our life when we are the person Someone's trying to get our attention. It reminds me of the little kid, uh, the story of the little kid who dad was doing something, looking on his phone or something like that. And the little kid was talking and and wasn't listening. The dad wasn't listening until finally that little kid climbed up on the dad, sat on the phone, literally just sat on the phone, pushed his hands down and grabbed the dad's face and said, daddy, 
I am talking to you, holding that dad, holding that dad's face. You know what? Sometimes in life, that's what it takes to get our attention is somebody grabbing our face and saying, hey, I am talking to you. The question I want to ask you this morning as we come back into our study is what does it take for God to get your attention? What does it take for God to get your attention? You see, the fact of the matter is that sometimes we have a God that he says, Dennis, 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 and I'm just doing my own thing. And sometimes God has to get a hold of my face and say, hey, I'm talking to you. What does it take for God to get your attention? We started our study last week in the book of Jonah and understanding really Jonah, a great story that we serve a God of second chances. And, and we saw last week as the word of the Lord, we're going to see it again, the same few verses that the word of the Lord came to Jonah and, and said, hey, I want you to get up and I want you to go preach to Nineveh. And now here's what's interesting. Jonah, he was known for preaching at this time. Second Kings chapter number 14, Jonah was already a prophet. He was already no doubt respected by the people because his message to the people was not like that of, of Amos or Hosea who were saying, and, hey, God's going to judge you, and it, it ends there. Jonah was one that said, hey, God's going to judge you, but listen, God will have mercy. Things will get fine. Everything's going to be ironed out. Even though God's judgment is coming, God is a merciful God, and people enjoyed hearing that. And now God's going to use Jonah in the, the lives of the Assyrians, these enemies of the people of God. No doubt there's some bitternesses and some uh, uh, prejudices there in, in Jonah's life as the word comes to him. Hey, I want you to go preach at Nineveh, that Assyrian capital. And Jonah, as we rehearsed last week, Jonah does what? He says, no. He says, no. And he, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to preach there. And, and we discovered last week, really three questions that we were asked last week is when we say no to God, when we say no to God, number one, where do we try to hide? Jonah tried to hid in the belly of a boat, didn't he? Jonah tried to hid in the deepest part of a boat saying, I can escape the, the presence of God. And that's a futile uh, decision. Why? Because you can't run from God. You can't run from his presence. And where do you try to hide when you say no? Number two, what do, what do you pay? What does it cost you when you and I say no to God? It cost Jonah some time and it cost him some finances. It cost him some lost opportunity. And you and I, we will never know this side of heaven what it costs us just to say no. Number three, we... We ask the question, not only uh, where do we hide and, and what do we pay, but what do other people see in our lives? What do other people see in our lives when we say no to God? And, and we were reminded of the story last week of, of, a, of a Christian hypocrite, somebody that people would look at and say, well, if that's, their, if that's the way a follower of God acts, I don't want to be a follower of God. Man, I hope to God that no one would ever uh, look at your life and my life and say, well, I, if that's Christianity, I don't want that. And when you and I say no to God, where do we hide? What do we pay? And what do others see? Today, I want to just look at this thought that when you and I, when we say no to God, when we run from God, what does it take for God to get our attention? Jonah chapter one, let's stand together. We'll read three verses and then we'll jump into the passage this morning. Jonah chapter one and verse number one, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for because their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah, he rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it 
to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. As Jonah runs from God this morning, we're going to discover what it took for God to get a hold of his attention. And we're going to be asked that question, what does it take for God to get your attention? And there's four things this morning that I want us to see that I believe that God does in the, in the life or can do in the life of every single believer to help get our attention. Four ways that God calls out to us, four ways that God says, hey, I am speaking to you. And I want to encourage you today to have the mindset, really, that the big challenge at the end is going to be this, that when God speaks, don't make him yell. When God speaks, don't make him grab your face. When God speaks, don't make him do anything more than just whisper into your life. That's how close we should be to God so that every time he speaks, it doesn't take a big uh, bolstering voice that just, hey, and it doesn't take that. It just takes a still small voice of God to say, hey, and we say yes. I hope that'd be the decision we make this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's pray and let's ask God to help us today. Would you, just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and ask God, God, would you please speak to me? God, would you please speak to me today? God, would you please speak to me? And then would you make a commitment? God, I'm listening to you. I wanna hear from you today. And God, when you speak to me today, I will respond to you. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your care for us. Thank you for the word of God and how you use it in each of our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, listen, to respond to you, to know uh, the decision that you desire for each of us to make. And Lord, I pray that as we listen to you today, God, I pray that you would help us, uh, help us today to know that we've heard from you, to know that we met with you. I love you, Lord. I just commit my mind and my heart to you this morning. And I pray that you'd help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. Again, as our story opens up, we have Jonah fleeing from Gath-Hefer, from his hometown, to Joppa. Uh, This would be a a, a little bit of a journey, probably, um, I think it's 30 to 50 miles, something like that. And then Jonah would get on a boat, going to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away. And we discovered last week that Jonah, he was willing to go five times further uh, to Tarshish than he would have just to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, 500 miles away, Tarshish, 500, or 20... 2,500 miles away, and Jonah's more willing to go to Tarshish than he is to Nineveh. But we also saw last week that Jonah not only was willing uh, to give up his time and his finances, he was actually willing to die. Remember last week we looked, and we'll see the verse again this week in verse number 11 or verse number 12 when the, the sailors, of course, the storm is raging and the sailors say to Jonah, what should we do? And he says, throw me overboard. I would rather die than follow God. I would rather die and have my way than follow God. And Jonah willing to give up his life instead of following God. And what a, what a sad statement that could be made. That person is willing to die before they follow God. Well, that was said of Jonah. That was said of Jonah. He was willing to do that. Well, here he is fleeing. Here he is uh, uh, trying to escape the presence of God. But I want you to see with me this morning that God doesn't give up on Jonah. Now, you know the story, no doubt. Even if you haven't been in church for long, you know Jonah and the whale. And you know the story of the, of the, of the storm and him getting swallowed by a whale and then spit up on the land and going to Nineveh and seeing a great revival. But the fact of the matter that I want to look at this morning is, is the truth that God did not give up on Jonah. And it's all throughout the entire book. 
It's throughout the entire book of Jonah. Notice uh, um, six verses this morning. Jonah chapter one and verse number four. Notice the first three words. It says, but the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Notice verse number seven. It says, they said everyone unto his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. And so they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Casting lots was a way of receiving an outcome uh, by means that would normally be considered random, but uh, they believed that God had a, had a way of working through casting lots. And if you know Proverbs 16.33, it says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So while they thought they were casting lots, God was working. Why? Because God was getting a hold of Jonah. God was working to get his attention. Notice Jonah, or notice, uh, Jonah chapter one and verse number 17. It says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter three in verse number one, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Chapter four in verse number six, the Lord God prepared a gourd. Chapter four in verse number seven, but God prepared a worm. The fact of the matter that I wanna just see as we go through all of these and some of these verses we will look at in depth over the course of the next five or six weeks but all throughout the story, you see, but God, but God, but God and the Lord. Man, God spoke a second time. I love the fact that the book of Jonah highlights that we serve a God who is all about second chances. We serve a God who pursues us. We serve a God who doesn't give up on us. And if we're all being honest today, then we need to know that we are thankful. Aren't you thankful God doesn't give up on you? Man, aren't you thankful God doesn't quit on you? God is constantly trying to get your attention. He is constantly pursuing you. So in our passage, what did God do to get the attention of Jonah? And what does God do to, to try to get our attention? Notice a few thoughts with me today that when God is trying to get our attention, number one, he will use his word. Mark it down. Anytime God wants to get your attention, he will speak through scripture. God will always speak to you through his word. This is, <coughs> excuse me, this is one of the main ways that, that God speaks. And I know this is kind of a no-brainer, but I wanna start here to say that uh, it's, we read a couple of times, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. What was this? This was God speaking into his life. This was God trying to get Jonah's attention. Now, we know that God spoke audibly into the life of Jonah. God spoke audibly to try to get his attention. That's how the story opens up. That's how it continues in Jonah chapter number three. That is how God spoke into the lives of people was through the audible voice or through a prophecy coming to someone directly to go and, and, and to say, no doubt you can go and read uh, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 2 Kings and see all the times God spoke to a prophet to go to a people and to cry out, thus saith the Lord. That's how God spoke. But for us, we need to know that now, while God does not speak audibly, you're not going to hear a voice someday that just says, uh, that just says your name, Dennis, you need. No, God speaks now through his word. 
God speaks through his word into the lives of people. His word and his spirit. His word and his Holy Spirit. He desires to use his word and his spirit to help us know his heart and to help us know his direction. I'm reminded of John chapter 8, verses 30 and through 32, where Jesus speaks. It says, and he spake these words. Many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, if you continue in my word, Then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hey, you need to continue in my word. You need to continue seeking my word. Now, we know that at this time, what did they have? At this time, they had many of the Old Testament books. They had many of the the, the Pentateuch. They had many of those first five books of the Old Testament. They had many of the Old Testament prophecies. And God said, I'm going to use this to speak into your life. And now you and I, we are blessed. Listen, Peter said we have a more sure word. We are blessed to have uh, the canon of Scripture. Sure. Why? Because this is now how God speaks to the heart of his people. And we say it often at church, and I don't ever uh, want to uh, uh, feel bad for saying this, although sometimes I feel bad for repeating it over and over and over again. But I believe today that the number one thing the devil will fight in your life is your time in the word. It's your time in scripture. Why? Because he knows that is the voice of God speaking into your life. And no doubt you have sat many times in a service or you have sat maybe at your bed or your kitchen table or in your recliner or you've been uh, listening at a Bible study or a growth group or a discipleship and God's word is read and you hear it and, and something in your heart says, man, that you need this. This is encouraging. This is helpful. This is direction. Hey, make a decision about this. What is that? That's God using his Holy Spirit through the word to help you and I as his children. Man, God said he is going to bless his word working in our life. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Our faith grows as as we get into scripture. I think this morning of Psalm 119, verse number nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How do we know the right direction? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119 uh, or excuse me, uh, John, John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. This is the Lord. This is God, or this is Jesus Christ saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy spirit. And what does God do? He speaks through the spirit of God through the word of God, into the child of God to help us become like the son of God. When you understand this, boy, it helps you and I. How does this help us? It helps me say, God, get my attention through your word. Hey, listen, God will always, he will always speak through his word. It will not return void. God is always desiring to speak through his word. He will use his word to give instruction and direction. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. God will always use his word to get our attention. He will always use his word to speak into your life. So here's the question I wanna ask you about this thought. How's your relationship with God through his word? Hey, have you been spending time in his word? 
Oh, I know we can, we could go down this road and say, well, if you just get up and you just make a habit of it, then, then maybe you're not seeking God and spending time with him. Oh, I, I understand all of that. But listen, just as the communication in your marriage or in your family or with your parents or with a friendship that you have, just as that communication is important to grow your relationship, your communication with God and his communication with you is important to grow your relationship. No relationship grows without good communication. Good communication for us is us praying and speaking to God, and good communication for God is us paying attention to and listening to his word. How is your relationship with God through his word? You say, well, pastor, it's been a while. Hey, don't make God scream to get your attention. Just open up the word and let God use it. Sit in church and let God use it. That's why we pray every service, God, speak to me. God, help me. God, I give you permission to work in my life. Why? God, I don't want you to have to yell. I just want your word. I want your spirit to have the freedom to speak into my life. God will always use his word. May we be like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light to my path. How will God try to get your attention? Well, this morning, he will use his word. He used his word in the life of Jonah. He'll use his word in your life. But this morning, after Jonah refused to listen to and surrender and to follow the word of the Lord, God used some other ways to try to get his attention. And I want you to see with me today a few ways that God, outside of his word, a few ways that God will work to try to get your attention. Number one, he may use people. He may use people. I love the story of Jonah because I love reading about the sailors. Uh, they're, they're just kind of this little spot in the story that I try to put myself into their situation. And we, we read of God bringing some sailors into Jonah's life. And those sailors, they questioned Jonah and they questioned what he was doing. And here's what I want to tell you about the sailors in the story of Jonah. Don't look at the sailors in the story of Jonah as a coincidence. No, Jonah's interaction with the sailors was not just coincidence. We know this a number of ways. Number one, they say to him, hey, call upon your God. They, they have this time of saying, call upon your God. Now, you and I might say, well, that was just some random coincidence. No, I, I believe that God put the sailors across the path of Jonah to help him think about some things. And they said to him, call upon your God. They did the casting of the lots, which God was in control of. This brought Jonah, uh, the casting of the lots is actually what brought Jonah to explain what he was doing. They cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah and they said, the lot's you. What did you do? And Jonah knew. Jonah said, well, to be honest, I'm a prophet of God. And he shared with them the story. And then they asked the question, why? Why are you running from God? Now, you and I, we could step back and we could say humanly, oh, well, that's just, that's just coincidence. I don't believe so. I don't think it's just coincidence. Why? Because they asked very pointed, particular questions about his God. They asked very pointed, particular questions about why are you in this situation? It was brought to their attention that Jonah was running from God and they used the situation. 
Unbeknownst to them, they, God used the situation to, to help Jonah remember who he was. I may mention this more throughout our series, but I find it interesting that God was continually pointing Jonah to his mercy. Throughout the entire story, God pointed Jonah to mercy, but also throughout Jonah's life. Here's how we know this. In 2 Kings, the prophecy that Jonah had given regarding the reign of Jeroboam II and the people and all of that, the message that Jonah was preaching was, even though God is going to judge you, God won't quit on you. That's the message he was preaching. Well, here he is running from the presence of the Lord, and the message he's receiving from these sailors, why did you quit on God? Why did you, why did you leave? Why did you run? And no doubt in the back of Jonah's mind would be the thought, well, maybe this is God's mercy. Later, we will see this in chapter 4. One of the reasons that Jonah did not want to go preach in Nineveh, here's what he said to God. I didn't want to go because I know you're a merciful God and I knew you would show them mercy. That's why I didn't want to go. Man, you look at the life of Jonah, you say, how did God try to get his attention? I believe that God was continually trying to say, hey, turn back to me. Not only did he speak through his word, but he spoke through people. And can I say this morning very quickly that God will bring people across our path to turn our attention back to him. I believe that God uses people more than we know to try and get our attention. He may bring people into our lives at a certain time that, that we thought, well, this is, you, you ever had this thought? Well, that was, that was a God thing. Well, that was a God meeting. And it's not someone that comes to you and says, hey, God spoke to me and told me to tell you this. Uh, no, it's, it's someone that just simply encourages you or someone that asks you a question that's a thought-provoking question about your walk with the Lord or maybe a time in your life when you are um, maybe saying no to God in a certain area and somebody else begins to speak about their life and they don't even know what's going on in your life and yet they speak about it and you think, uh, oh my goodness, did you read my diary? Did you read my journal? How could you know what's going on? And maybe God in the back of your mind says, hey, it's not them, it's me. No doubt I've had tons of times, uh, maybe in a service that God has spoken to my heart and I, I, it wasn't even about what the pastor was preaching on or the, the speaker was preaching on. And, and then as a pastor, I've had countless times where someone will come up to me and they'll say, man, pastor, you know, God really spoke to my heart today about X, Y, and Z. And I was preaching ABC, not X, Y, Z. Had not, man, uh, there have been tons of messages that I've preached and someone come up and say, God spoke to me about this. And I'm like, were you even in the same service that I was in? Because that is not what I spoke on. Well, you know what? That's not, that's not because of, of some uh, uh, extra uh, ability that a pastor has or a preacher has. No, it's God using his word through a person to speak to people. Hey, you know what God will do? God will consistently try to get your attention through people around you, drawing your attention back to the Lord, asking questions that may stir your attention. There are so many ways that God works through people to try and get our attention. It may be a, a message that is preached or a song that is sung or a, a text that is sent or a meeting with somebody that you haven't seen in a while or, or a reunion with somebody that, that you didn't think could happen and God reminds you of forgiveness because he brings someone into your life that you need to forgive or God reminds you of mercy because someone shows 
you mercy when, when you did not deserve it. Listen, I just want to say that there are times in our life when God tries to get our attention through people. How does God get our attention? Well, we know that he will, he will use his word. Number two, he may, he may use people. Number three, in order to get our attention, sometimes he may, he may allow storms. Hey, sometimes God allows storms to get our attention. There are many times in our life when God allows storms to come our way. Now, I want to say before we get too far into this thought, I want to say two thoughts about this today, about God allowing storms. The first is this, that not every storm in life is judgment from God. Okay, not every storm in life is judgment from God. There are some teachings out there that say every time you find yourself in a storm that you are under the judgment of God. When, when this is our mindset, okay, stay with me. When this is our mindset, often we say things like this. God, what did I do to deserve this? We say things, okay, God, now what? God, you, why me? God, why did you do this to me? God, why did you cause this? And I just want to say, as we understand that God allows storms, that just because you're going through a storm or a trying time in life does not mean that God's judgment is upon you. Now, it could mean that, but not every storm is God's judgment. Okay, number two, while every, not every storm is God's, a judgment from God, we need to know that God desires to use every storm to help us seek him. While every storm may not be a judgment, God desires to use every storm. Every storm is allowed by God. God may bring some that are his judgment. He's saying, hey, this is because of a decision that you made, and I'm allowing this into your life. But sometimes, listen, sometimes God just allows the natural repercussions of decisions to be a storm to turn us back to him. Okay, um, let, me, let me illustrate this. Just a, a simple thought. In your life and in my life, no doubt you can look back, and there have been times when you made a poor financial decision. A poor financial decision. Maybe it was a bad investment. Maybe it was just using your money in an unwise way. Whatever. Made a poor financial decision. And then you find yourself up against the ropes with a bill. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, your, your mortgage is due or the rent was due or that, how, that light bill was due or something happened. Not an emergency, a normal bill. Just a normal bill that you, that you pay every month. But because of poor decisions at the beginning of the month, at the end of the month, when you are stretched thin and you don't have money to pay the bill, a lot of Christians, when they think that judgment is, that, that every storm is from God, in the sense of every storm is a judgment from God, every Christian, when they hit that point, they're up against the ropes, don't have money because of a poor decision, they go like this, oh, God, what are you doing to me? God, don't you know this bill is due? God, why are you... And you know what God does, what I think God does sometimes, I believe we can point this from scripture. God is like, I had nothing to do with this. You didn't seek me at the beginning of the month with your money. And now you're living out the repercussions of it. Does that make sense? So we can't blame God for every storm in our life because of decisions that we make. Now, 
Are there times when God is trying to get our attention that financial things are from a financial judgment from God? Yes. Well, when are those times, pastor? I don't know. I can't tell you about God's judgment in your life. But you know what? Let's be honest. Usually, we'll see it in our story. Usually, when God is judging us and the storm is because of a judgment from God, usually we know it. We usually know it. There's usually not a lot of questions. How do we know this? Think about the story. God sent a tempest. We just read, we read it last week. God sent a tempest, a storm hit. They wonder, why are we in the storm? They cast lots. Jonah is the reason. And here's what Jonah says to the sailors in verse number 12. He said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. Well, why, Jonah? Because I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Hey, you know what happens in life? In life, sometimes God allows a storm or he brings a storm in order to get our attention. And when God is judging, when God is bringing a a judgment storm into our life, we often know this is because I did this. This is because I made a decision. Well, here's Jonah's result, or here's here's Jonah's, uh, uh, um, what he resorts to. I'm gonna keep running. (laughs) Right here, don't you know, Jonah could have stopped and he could have said, God, I'm sorry. God, I repent, I've been running. God, the storm, I, I know you've sent it for me. And God, I turn back to you. That could have happened, but that didn't. That didn't happen. That could have happened right when the storm hit the very first time, but that didn't happen. And what did this storm do? Well, this storm, it got, no, or it got uh, Jonah's attention. But I want us to see very quickly that this storm and storms, they do not just affect us. While every storm may not be a judgment from God, we have to mention that when we do make a decision to say no to God, and God does send judgment by way of a storm, storms don't just affect you. Hey, mentioned it last week that we would say it this week. When you and I say no to God, we are not the only people that are affected by that decision, whether it be small or great. And in our story, you know who was all in the storm? Everybody on the sea. Now we read specifically about these sailors. They're going through this storm. Why? Jonah knew it. It was because of me. Jonah knew it. Why? Is because I said no. Storms don't just affect us. When we say no to God, those no's to God always have a negative effect on the people around us. And while God can turn these things right side up and he will and can use anything for his glory and we will see that even in our story in the coming weeks, we must know that when we say no to God, it has an impact on those around us. Uh, Achans have an effect on their family and their friends and on their church and uh, storms came and danger came. Why? Because one individual said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what God says. 
And the fact is this, that sometimes a home uh, can be an unhappy place because one family member says, I'm going to do it my way. Sometimes a workplace is affected because a work, uh, an employee says my way, a friendship or a church, all because of a selfish people, a selfish person. And we all have been there. We all have been that person that said, I want to do it my way. And the truth is this, that when we face a storm, When we face a storm, it may be wise to say, God, is there anything in my life that is causing this? But it's always wise to understand that God desires to use every storm to help us seek him. Hey, every storm that you and I face, whether it's a storm that's there because of a decision you made or a storm that happens because this principle is also true, life happens, (laughs) right? How many of you know that? You know that, man, storms come and sickness comes and financial challenges come. Things happen in life that sometimes were not a direct result of our decision. It was just a direct result of life. It reminds me of Mark chapter number four, the disciples, they were in the will of God crossing the sea of Galilee. Jesus said, let's go to the other side, get in the boat and let's go. They were listening to the voice of God and yet they got in the boat, they went across the sea, but right in the middle of it, a great storm came up and they were fearful for their lives. And yet they would they just listened to the voice of God. That, that storm wasn't, they're not in it because they said no to God. They were in it because they had said yes to God. The fact is that storms happen. Sometimes because of a decision we make, but all of the time we know it's because God allows them. Well, why does God allow it? To turn us to him. God allows it to turn us to him. God desires that in every storm we would say, God, I can't, but you can <laughs> God desires that in every storm, we would say, God, I don't know what is going on, but I trust you. God, I am seeking you. You are the the master of the sea. God, I am seeking you. No matter what, it's always wise to say, God, can you use this storm to direct my attention to you? When God's trying to get our attention, what does he do? Number one, he will use his word. Number two, he may use people. Number three, he may allow storms But number four, and lastly today, he may use extreme measures. Oh, I pray it doesn't ever come to this for us, but God does use extreme measures. Notice our story. Verse 11 in Jonah chapter one, they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea rot was tempestuous. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. And so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, The men, what they do, they rode hard. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not for the sea rod and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore? Hey, they cried out to the Lord and they said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we we beg you, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood for thou, Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And they took Jonah up and they cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. We'll look at that verse next week or a week after next. Now the Lord had prepared a a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I love verse number 17, the words that it says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. There's some skeptics, they look at Jonah and the belly of the fish and they say, oh, well, that, that really couldn't happen. 
You, you couldn't survive being uh, in a fish for multiple days. Well, I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. But it's been interesting to me that over the last couple hundred years, there have been multiple stories of people who were swallowed by a fish in the ocean and came out alive. Crazy stories. You can look some of them up. And I love that God does that sometimes to say, oh, it couldn't happen? Well, let me just, let me just make it happen a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Jonah did in there. I don't, I don't imagine, I don't imagine the fish was so big like Pinocchio, you know, where he's like campfire and everything. I don't imagine that. Man, I think he's swallowed by that fish and he's stuck and he doesn't know what to do. Uh, but you know what? I love the verse, verse 17, when it says, now the Lord prepared a great fish. Hey, you know what God did? God said, Jonah, I'm going to do something crazy. <laughs> And it's not going to be the best. It's not going to be the funnest. But Jonah, I'll do anything to get your attention. God will sometimes use extreme measures to get the attention of his people. And I don't believe, again, I don't believe that every storm is a judgment from God. I do believe, however, that God desires to use every storm to draw our attention to him. But I also know of the fact that there are times, and we're not even going to get into a bunch of stories, there are times when God uses extreme measures to get a hold of someone's heart. I reminded of the story of my dad. Years ago, there was a man that my dad knew that was willfully resisting God in his life. And this man, in order to resist God, he, he kind of was defiant uh, against my dad. And my dad was not this ruthless leader as a pastor. You best follow him. My dad was not like that at all. Just a gracious, merciful man. Many of you knew my dad. And I remember that my dad told me the story. This man, in defiance to God, stood up and just let my dad have it on a Sunday. Just hammered him. That afternoon, my dad got a phone call. And that man was in the ER. He had just had a heart attack. Crazy story. My dad was the, one of the first people to the hospital. That was, that was who my dad was. And he walked in and that man said to my dad, Pastor Fountain, God told me that I'm here right now suffering a heart attack because of my decision this morning. Pastor Fountain, would you forgive me? Now, I'm not saying that to, to say you shouldn't ever, you know, say something to your pastor or something like that. However, just, just no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> But I, I look at that story and that man, that man knew it. He knew I'm here because of a decision of resisting God. Hey, listen, I'm not gonna say, I'm not saying today that God's gonna send you a heart attack when you, when you, when you say no to him. I'm simply saying that when you say no, God will pursue you. God will pursue you. So here's what I want us to do. We're done. You can close your Bible. But I wanna wrap up by simply giving you a couple of thoughts. When I hear the story of Jonah and running from God and the alarm and the things that took place, my mind says, oh no, what's gonna happen to me if I say no? Okay, and the fear of a person could, could wellow up. The fear of us could say, God, okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna obey you because I'm scared of you. That's not, this, this story of Jonah should not strike fear in believers. It shouldn't. I believe the story of Jonah and specifically our thoughts for the day should remind us of just a few thoughts. And these thoughts that we just looked at, they should do something to us. Number one, these thoughts, 
They should remind us how much we are loved. Hey, when you look at the story of Jonah, it should be a reminder, man, God loves me too much to give up on me. God loves me so much that he will continually pursue me. Man, every single day I should wake up thinking, God, thank you for loving me today. Thank you for pursuing me today. Every storm, God, thank you for allowing a storm to remind me how great you are. These thoughts, they should remind us how much we're loved. Number two, these thoughts should encourage us to stay close to him. When I read the story of Jonah, here's what it should challenge me to do. God, I wanna stay close to you. God, I don't want to say no. These thoughts should help us have a desire to be close to the Lord so that he never has to speak uh, more than uh, into our life through other things other than just his word or his spirit. It should continually encourage me to, to stay close to him. And then lastly today, these things should help us pay attention to God and readily say yes. Man, these thoughts of Jonah It should help me to say, God, help me to be so close to you that when you whisper, I hear you, and God, help me to be so close to you that when you whisper, I hear you, that I say, yes. Yes, God. Whatever it is, yes. Today, I would ask you maybe to have this prayer in your life. God, will you not have to do a lot to get my attention? God, don't have to yell. God, don't have to bring a storm. God, don't have to just uh, use people to keep directing me and pushing me back to you. God, help me today to be so close to you that just as the psalmist said, my heart is completely set upon you, God. And my prayer would be that you and I this week would have the mindset to say, God, help me to be close to you so that all you have to use is your spirit and your word. But God, when you use people, when you use storms, if you use extreme measures, help me every time. Help me every time to hear your voice. This morning, would you pray and would you ask God, God, help me this week, help me this week to hear your very whisper. Help me this week to turn to you in every situation. God, help me not to make you yell to get my attention.